Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back. Super excited about today's episode because I had the privilege of talking with Marissa Kai, who is a nutritionist and dietitian. And she's known on Instagram as Binge Nutritionist. She helps people stop binge eating, find food freedom, and just create a healthful life. She is so inspiring to me. We both preach very similar missions. And I just love everything that she has to say. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. Well, hi, Marissa. Thank you so much for joining me. So you are a nutritionist, a recovering binge eater. you just, you've dedicated your work to helping others find food freedom. And I love it. I've been following you on Instagram for such a long time. You, you know, help me because I struggled with binge eating disorder myself. So for those who don't know you, can you tell them who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you. I, I super appreciate the kind words. Uh, but yeah, I'm Marissa. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I specialize in binge eating because I previously had a disordered relationship with food that kept me stuck in a restrict binge cycle for years. And so I, through my own recovery, sort of moved into wanting to help other people do the same, kind of went on a mission to create basically a program that I wish I had when I was struggling as well. So I work with people who have been stuck in disordered relationships with food, whether that's from dieting or and restricting or from emotional eating, whatever that might be to overcome that, stop the binge eating, stop the food and body obsession and move into a place of intuitive eating and creating that healthful life that doesn't put you in a box. So it's kind of an overview of what I do, but overall, you know, I'm just really passionate about helping people get to that other side with food freedom. That's so awesome. I love it. So what did your relationship with food look like before? Because I know you say you intuitive eat now. Did you count macros? What did you do before that you realized it just wasn't a healthy relationship? Yeah. So I got kind of stuck in dieting and doing calorie counting and also doing challenges like, you know, a five day cleanse or a 21 day detox, all of those types of things that you see on the internet. And I started those basically from the time I was 16 and really got stuck in a cycle of doing these diets or even just simply calorie counting and then binge eating for a period of time and then saying, okay, we're doing this for real this time. I'm going to start over. And then I'd go back and do some sort of cleanse to quote unquote, cleanse myself of the binges, which is just not a thing. And then sort of start the, the destructive cycle over again. And it wasn't until I realized that there was a thing such as the restrict binge cycle that I realized, okay, something's got to change. And that took me years I thought I was binging because there was something fundamentally wrong with me. I thought that I had a problem. I was addicted to food. I had no idea that the binges were happening because my body was trying to protect me from these famines I was putting me through by restricting 
my calories. Um, I also, of course, got into some fads like low carb and I got really scared of sugar. I feel like that's kind of the most popular one people towards to, toward, tend to gravitate towards. Um, and so I, it, it took me a, a really long time to realize, okay, dieting actually isn't the answer. How can I finally stop being restrictive so that I stop binging and, and go from there? So yeah, previously, you know, it started as innocent as a simple calorie count and it wasn't that extreme, but of course it snowballs into, okay, my, my body needs, needs energy. And if we're chronically staying in a deficit, it'll fight back by, you know, creating a, a sense of needing to, to binge. Can you explain to our listeners what exactly the binge restrict cycle is? Yeah, absolutely. So the binge restrict cycle is a cycle that starts by restricting. So any type of diet, calorie counting, macro counting, um, keto, low carb, like any sort of source of restriction, whether it's the calories or the macros or a food group causes our body to go into sort of a feast famine type of mentality of, oh, we're not getting enough of our needs. And so I am going to sort of hype up the signals that we're sending this person so that I do get my needs met. And that's when we get this overwhelming feeling of kind of feeling insatiable. We need to eat a lot and then we might binge and binge eating is not overeating. It's really eating a large amount of food in a short period of time, generally thousands of calories within less than an hour. Um, and it's usually met with feelings of guilt, shame, losing control. And I once described it as a feeling of blacking out. So the binge restrict cycle or restrict binge cycle is essentially when then you go from binging back to restricting because you're trying to take control of that. And the cycle continues because the binges are happening because of the restricting. And oftentimes we try to compensate for the binging then doing further restricting. And so you can kind of imagine this circle in your head of going around and around from restricting to binging until finally something disrupts that cycle, which is usually the, the ceasing of any sort of restriction. So what, what do you think is the best tip to stop that cycle? Because I know one of the things that you've talked about is after, after binging and you, if you feel crappy the next day, don't feel like you need to earn your food like that. You need to deserve it. You just need to go back to eating normal, not, not going into that restrict cycle. So how would you say is the best way to approach it? Well, if it was really simple, I would say just stop restricting. Don't diet anymore and just eat, you know, listen to your body, listen to your mind, eat what you want and move on. But it's really not that simple. It really comes down to a lot of psychological impacts that dieting puts on us feeling as though we need to be dieting or we need to be fully in control of food and our body. So simply put, yeah, stop the restricting. Don't try to overcompensate for the amount that you ate by further restricting or over exercising. But I think it really takes getting into our mind about, well, why do we feel we have to diet? Why do we feel we have to, to be so uh, meticulous about what we're eating and controlling our body? So I think starting to think about what is the bigger picture here? What is the purpose that's causing you to be so destructive with your behaviors towards food? But simply put, yes, just stop, stop restricting. And eventually that need to binge will, will not be necessary. 
So what was the breaking point for you? When did you decide that you needed to make a change and that you were just, you were done with this binge restrict cycle? Yeah, definitely. So I remember it vividly when I was like, enough is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. And I had spent many nights searching how to stop binge eating, stop overeating, stop losing control of food so many nights leading up to this moment, but there was always a sort of condition to that. It was like how to stop binge eating without gaining weight or, and still lose weight. It was still conditional of, okay, I'll stop binge eating, but I still have to be in control of my body size. And my breaking point was I finally realized I really don't care what it takes. I don't care if I gain weight through this. I am so sick of binging in the way it was making me feel. And that was because I went to an event. I lived in LA at the time. You know, we got to go to really cool events out there. And I went to an app launch with a friend. And it was something that I think my younger self would have only dreamed of being a part of felt like a celebrity, yet I was just obsessed with the macaroon table. There was a table of macaroons and M&Ms, and I kept going back for more and more and more and getting a handful of M&Ms and getting a macaroon. And I just, I was almost publicly binging for the first time ever. I had actually hit a point where I wasn't restricting myself in public just to binge later that night. I had actually fully started to just eat and eat and eat and eat. And I'm sure nobody was actually noticing, but I was so surprised that I was actually allowing myself to eat this way in public. And then of course I got home and I continued, I was eating everything out of my pantry, even if it was just still crackers in the back. And I just thought, okay, enough is enough. What is going on? This is miserable. I should have had a really fun night and made some great memories, but instead it was all about food. And I stayed up really late researching, but this time it wasn't conditional. It was fully, how do I stop binge eating? And that's when I started to um, uncover some solutions, including intuitive eating. And I'd say it didn't click that night. I still was holding on to this idea of controlling my body for a few months until I just handed myself over to the process because I kind of continued to binge until I shifted my mindset in regards to what that should look like. I think a lot of people think like the same way you did and same way I did was it's conditional. You want to be able to, to stop the binge restrict cycle, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to gain weight or you want to keep losing weight. One thing I think people just don't understand is like, if you actually listen to your body and become in tune with your body, the weight and everything that will, that will fall into place. Like you'll find your natural weight that you're supposed to be at. Um, and why do you think that people think that if they actually listen to their body and listen to their cravings that they'll gain a bunch of weight? Cause I don't know, I think that's a common fear that a lot of people have if they just tell themselves they're allowed to have it. Right. Yeah. And, and just to say, before we dive into that, yeah, you will level out at your natural body weight, but unfortunately we don't get to control where that is. And sometimes it might not be where we mentally want to be. And so it's also finding a level of peace with my body will level out at its set point weight by listening to my body. And I'm going to be okay with that because that's when my body will feel safest. But this idea that, oh, if we just listen to our body and listen to what we want, we'll just continue to gain weight forever and ever really is 
a, a huge misconception because that totally disregards that part of intuitive eating is balancing so many other things, not simply just what you're craving and what you desire. It's also balancing what's going to make your body feel great. What's going to make your body feel not so great. When are you hungry? When are you full? What is satisfying? What's not satisfying? Also mental factors such as your wants, but also your needs, your health values, anything like that. It all becomes a balancing act, but right out the gate, if you're coming off of a diet and now you're saying, all right, I'm going to listen to my body. Yeah. You're probably going to crave those previous off-limit foods more often. And so it might feel, oh my gosh, I'm so out of control here. I'm just going to gain weight forever. But there's a level of healing that has to happen first before we can get to the place where we are balancing sort of all of those factors that come with listening to our body. So the, the idea that, oh, if we just eat whatever we want, we'll just gain weight forever is not true because first of all, for listening to our body, we'll settle at our natural set point, which might be higher than you are now. So yeah, you might gain some weight. However, to gain weight forever and ever would mean that you are totally disregarding what feels right in your body and probably ignoring your fullness cues. And so that's actually not listening to your body, but I do have to emphasize that's not something we can just get to overnight where we're fully listening to our body intuitively and it's natural and easy. If we're coming from something like the restrict binge cycle, there's a healing phase, which usually includes eating a lot of these previous off-limit foods until we naturally find our balance without really trying, without having to follow some sort of program. So to answer your question, that misconception really comes from this idea that our body doesn't know what we want. And that simply put, listening to our body is just listening to whatever we want in the moment when there's a lot more factors that go into it. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think that, what should people expect? Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. So what should people expect during that process of healing their relationship with food? Because it isn't something that will just take a couple of days and it's not like, oh, I'm never going to binge again because you might have a couple more binges. So what, what can you explain as, as the process of healing your relationship with food? Yeah. So I always say the end goal is to be able to eat intuitively and it feel easy, but we're, we're not just going to dive into listening to our body. I would say to expect a honeymoon phase, meaning you're going to be wanting pizza and pasta and cake and ice cream and burgers and fries all the time, every day, all day until those foods become as normal as the salads that you used to depend on during your diets until they no longer have moral value until you start to feel like there's just not a novelty around them anymore. And they're not as exciting. doesn't mean you don't like them anymore. It's just that it's not something that you're constantly craving because you know, you can have them when you want them. So the honeymoon phase is a period of time where we're breaking free from our previous restrictions and to heal from those previous restrictions, we have to eat the foods. We have to feel okay eating the foods today, tomorrow, and the next day if we really want them. So that's where we move into a place of unconditional permission to eat. There's no conditions to it. It's not, I can have pizza, but only two slices. It's, I can have pizza until I feel satisfied. And at the beginning, it might take you the whole box to feel satisfied, but with time, yeah, maybe two, three, four slices will be enough to keep you satisfied depending on the day. 
but it is so common, actually normal and expected to go through a phase where you feel like you're just out of control. You're just eating so many of these off-limit foods again and eating a lot of them. That's expected. And the point that a lot of people turn back and say, this isn't working for me, but if you move through that phase, it goes away. Um, and it usually, for some people, it can go away in a few weeks. For some people, it goes away in a few months. But I've never worked with someone where they stayed in that honeymoon phase forever if they truly were working on their mindset around it at the same time and opening themselves up to having those permissions. So I would definitely expect that honeymoon phase and also expect time. You know, it's like I said, it's not a quick fix. It's not a diet where we can just check all the boxes and move on with our life. It is a process. I always tell people expect at least a year to just give yourself somewhat of a long-term expectation for how long it'll take us to feel at peace. But I've also worked with people where it took more than a year, worked with people where it took less than a year, but on average, at least a year is, is where I would kind of hold your expectations when starting to heal your relationship with food. Yeah, it's, it's not a quick fix, but it's so, it's so worth it in the long run. And like exactly. you said, every, everyone's different. It's going to take a different amount of time. Like even me, I feel like, like, I feel like there was times where I thought I was completely healed. And then I look back, I'm like, you know what? I actually wasn't. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a point where we're like a hundred percent completely healed where we don't have to think about it anymore. It's mm -hmm. always going to be in the back of our head. But I think it's so important like to celebrate those those little wins. Like I even remember um, a couple weeks ago, my husband and I, we went out to eat on a Sunday. We went out to eat and then afterwards he wanted to get ice cream. And I was like, you know what? I'm craving ice cream. I'm going to do it. So I went and I got it and I didn't feel guilty. And I was like, cool. The next day um, he wanted to go to that place again. And it was a Monday. And I remember that used to be one of my like triggers. Like I do not go out to eat on a weekday, like that is, I do not do that. But I like to purposefully get myself out of my comfort zone. And um, my husband's in the Navy. So he was he was leaving. And that was his last his last meal on land. So I was like, Okay, let's go. So we go. And then afterwards, um, I made a joke like, Oh, ice cream, because it's right next door. And he was like, Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually not craving ice cream. But knowing that I can have it, I don't know. I feel like the old me would be like, I have to have it, you know, mm -hmm. like it's there. We did it yesterday, you know, let's do it. But I was like, I'm actually not craving it. I don't think I'd be satisfied if I got it. And that's just such a win for me knowing that I'm actually that in tune with my body to know when I actually want that sweet or not. Right. Because you could have it if you wanted it. But yeah. when we think, oh, it's now or never, we don't even get the chance to listen to our body. We're just thinking, oh, I got to eat it now because, you know, it's this one instance where we're going to enjoy some time together before he leaves. But then after that, you know, I wouldn't allow myself to have it. Then you're probably more likely to make yourself eat it or not necessarily make yourself, but you're more likely to really want it because it feels like it's now or never. But with that full permission to have it tomorrow or the next day or next Friday, if you wanted to, you, you really get that chance to think about, all right, well then do I actually want it? If I know I could have it later and enjoy it when I really feel like it. I think that has to do with the all or nothing mindset. Oh yeah. You know, the now or never, like 
all or nothing. So how do you, what are your tips to overcoming that all or nothing mindset? Cause I think that's something a lot of people struggle with and it's even beyond their relationship with food. It's how they approach everything in their lives. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like being a perfectionist. It's, yep. it's not black and white, you know, it's either this or it's that there's no gray. And while yes, yeah, some things might be strongly held beliefs in your, in your life or morals in your life that are more black and white, I think for majority of sort of day-to-day things, life is really gray. There are always sort of what ifs, there are always sort of um, exceptions to things and, and being able to be more, I don't know, go with the flow when it comes to those grays will really allow you to be more compassionate with yourself because if something goes wrong, it's not right or wrong. It just is. And you're able to sort of use that information to learn from it or to just sort of accept what is. So in regards to food, having this all or nothing mentality of neither all in my diet being super clean and healthy, or I'm completely off sort of having a cheat that gets us stuck in this idea of messing up, which really spirals into binging, right? If you've ever had, I don't know, somebody at work bring in cupcakes for someone's birthday and you say, oh, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll have one because everyone's enjoying them. And then you think I messed up, might as well just allow myself to eat whatever I want the rest of the day. And then you're kind of spiraling into a binge. That's because you're feeling like, oh, one cupcake was so bad that I'm just going to reset tomorrow when really a cupcake could just be a cupcake and you could move on. And that's more of the gray because there's not right and wrong. So when we move into healing our relationship with food, one of the very first things we do is we try to remove moral value from food. There's no good and bad. It's just food and all food is equal. Yes, some food has more nutritional value, but does that mean that less nutritious foods are bad? No, they may still serve a purpose in your life, even if it's as simple as just enjoyment. And so that's why in the honeymoon phase, we go through that period of eating all of these old previous quote, bad foods, because we're trying to make them as normal as anything else. So really my tip for getting out of that all or nothing mentality is really deep and hard to just give one tip because it takes a lot of practice and challenging, but it is to sort of break a rule. You know, if a rule is, oh, this is bad. I'm not supposed to have a cupcake. What if you do just have a cupcake or two and then move on and continue your day as normal because that doesn't somehow negate any other nutrition you put into your body that day. It just is. Um, and I think once we can get out of that black and white, all or nothing mentality, it we're better able to listen to our body because it's not dependent on a rule. It's just dependent on sort of the moment and, and what feels right for you in that moment. Yeah, that's, that's something I tell my clients um, a lot is stop labeling food as good or bad. Because like you said, food, different food serves a different purpose. And I think people need to change that mindset of this food is good or this food is bad. And like one of my least favorite things is when people say, oh, I'm going to cheat or I'm going to have a cheat meal or a cheat day. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's just no, that shouldn't be a thing. You should be enjoying that food. But then when you have that mindset of a cheat meal or a cheat day, it is kind of that all or nothing. Like mm-hmm. I have to fit it all in this meal. Or I have to fit everything I can in this day. And that's just mm-hmm. not a healthy relationship to have with food. 
Right. I think when there's a cheat, it is really solidifying that food serves one purpose for you. And that's nutrition. That's somehow, you know, health from the lens of it just being about nutrition. And so you're cheating because you're not honoring those nutritional values, but food is not simply just nutrition. And that's coming from a dietitian who studied nutrition, but food is also connection. Food is culture. Food is tradition. Food is happiness, enjoyment. And so, yeah, a, a ice cream, an ice cream cone may not give the same sort of value when it comes to nutrition, but it gives more value when it comes to enjoyment or, you know, like you said, connectedness with your husband before he leaves that served a purpose there. And that's starting to sort of accept that health is not, and food is not simply just nutrition. There are so many other factors there. And so being able to, to give yourself that, I don't know, new definition of what health is and what food food's purpose is, I think will really help you to understand that there's a place for all foods. It just may not be simply for nutritional value. It might be a health value in a different way even if it's as simple as just enjoyment or mental health. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. That is, that is so true. Food. There's so much more to food than just nutrition. Hey guys, quick break, just to let you know that my feed your swole eight week program does start Monday, May 24th. So there's still time to sign up, but just in case you guys haven't heard about it, it is an eight week program to focus on healing your relationship with food and healing your relationship with with yourself and giving yourself all the tools and knowledge that you need to have to have a healthy relationship with fitness and nutrition. It's going to be a great eight weeks. We will be doing live Zoom calls. Um, you're going to have weekly goals and focuses and homework assignments and it's going to be so fun. So if you're interested, DM me on Instagram at this is Miranda Lee or reach out to me however you do, whether that's Facebook, text, Instagram, any of that. Let's get back to the episode. Um, so do you think that um, intuitive eating is something that everyone should do? Or do you think that, you know, I know I, I say and you say that like fitness and nutrition isn't a one size fits all. But do you think there is a place for people to count their macros or, or eat a certain way? I think it's, it really depends on the person. I think in general, intuitive eating, it can be for everyone, even if you're not adopting all of the principles, right? So there are 10 principles to intuitive eating. If you actually sort of take it by the book and, and from the, the two dietitians who created this, this framework, um, you know, in general, I think most people can adopt all of the principles, which includes gentle nutrition, which includes mindfulness around your food choices. But for some people, they may not be able to adopt certain principles because of a medical condition or because of uh, their environment or socioeconomic status, right? Like, I don't think I could ever tell someone living uh, with food insecurity to have unconditional permission to eat because the condition for them might be money. And so they might not be able to adopt that principle, but it doesn't mean that there are other principles that couldn't be implemented. So again, it's getting out of that all or nothing mentality. It's not you're a full intuitive eater who adopts all the principles or you can't do it. 
it's allowing yourself to sort of grab what resonates with you in your life and use that to feel more connected and attuned to your body's needs rather than sort of making yourself get put into a box where you have to follow some rules. Um, but when it comes to sort of counting macros or, or anything on that side of it, I don't, it's complicated because yes, gentle nutrition is part of intuitive eating. And I think maybe for some people who really don't have any sort of awareness about nutrition might benefit from just counting briefly for a learning purpose, not for a restrictive purpose. But I think that would be a very individualized thing that I would have to work with someone on because I think that's a really slippery slope. Because what if you realize that the macros that the fitness industry tends to sort of promote that, that macro distribution doesn't actually sit well with your body. Is there going to be sort of guilt or shame associated with that or trying to tweak what it is that you eat in a day to fit those standards? Or are you just going to be able to listen to your body and what actually feels good? So it's kind of like a, it depends sort of answer, but I do want to remind everyone listening that intuitive eating does incorporate external health values such as nutrition and movement. Those are two sole principles of the 10 of intuitive eating because that that is part of being intuitive is also weighing what's important to you when it comes to health. Yeah, and I, I heard once that nutrition is supposed to be an art, not a science. And I, I feel like with counting macros, and doing stuff like that, it, we, we create it more of a science. And I think it's unfair to our body to think that we need the same exact calories and macros every single day when we're not doing the exact same thing every day. And especially as females too, when we're going through different parts of our cycles, like our body's going to need a different amount of calories as well. Right. Right. I mean, everybody's different size has different activity levels, have different genetics. And so some people may need higher carbs. Some people may need higher protein, but I think that only, you know, the answer to that with trial and error and attunement to your body's needs and no sort of program is going to give you that answer because it isn't one size fits all. Yeah. Trial and error. That that's what I tell my clients too. Like see if something works for you, you know, try it. And if it's not working, then, you know, don't do it. Like same with weightlifting, like how women think that they're going to wake up one day and just be super bulky. You're not, but if you get to the point where you notice you are, let's say your arms are getting really buff and you don't like it, then tune it down a little bit. You know, it's not all black and white. Like you said, we, we have that control of our body. And that's something I think a lot of people don't understand because things don't happen overnight. Yeah. And I think understanding that, and if you do get bulky, where is sort of the negative connotation coming from for you? Is it from sort of an idea that bigger is bad? And maybe that's something we have to deeper dive into rather than just simply a preference because we really get our preferences from society. And so what is the purpose of working out? Is it simply to change your body or is it to give you more of um, like internal feelings that you enjoy? You know, maybe you enjoy competition and that's why you do it. Or maybe you um, enjoy the endorphins that you get after working out. It makes you have more mental clarity. But if we solely do it because of wanting to change our body, I think then we get into like a whole nother topic of, all right, like diving into body image, um, because that can be a slippery slope as well. So what do you think when it comes to like your, 
your relationship with yourself and your relationship with food. Cause I think there is a direct connection. I don't think you can heal your relationship with food without healing your relationship with yourself as well. Right. Yeah. And I always say that you can't dive into healing your relationship with food without working on healing your relationship with your body and how you treat yourself. And I meet people where they're at, you know, I've had a lot of people join my programs and work with me who say, yeah, in the end, I do want to go back and try to lose weight. And I say, okay, you totally have that autonomy to do that. But right now we need to set that to the side to work on our relationship with food, because if we're still trying to control our body, we're not going to be able to really listen to our body or sort of intuitively eat because that goes against any sort of weight loss principles. So I, I always say, you know, through that, we will be working on body image a lot and we will be talking about how that had a role in getting you to where you are now with your relationship with food. In the end, it is up to the individual what they want to do with that information. But I really don't think you can kind of find full food freedom without addressing what's going on with your body image as well. And people need to understand that you can still love yourself and want to better yourself at the same time. But it doesn't mean that you hate yourself. You can still want to better yourself. Sure, definitely. And I think, you know, it is a whole other conversation to get into the whole like weight and health thing. And in general, I like to think about if you're somebody who values health, because it's not a prerequisite for respect to need to follow health values. But if someone is like, yeah, I do want to try to promote my, my best health, then taking it more from a behavioral approach rather than something that's not a behavior, you know, weight isn't a behavior. So really addressing, okay, if you do want to, I don't know, uh, lower your cholesterol, because that's something that's a concern to you. What are some behaviors that support lowering your cholesterol? And how could you do more of that in a way that you enjoy? Because when we make it all about weight, we're actually more likely to do things that aren't going to be long-term healthful for us just simply to change our body. Um, and then that can easily backfire. And so really uncovering some of the layers here with, well, what is health and uncovering any sort of, uh, sort of fat phobia that we might be having regarding our, our body image is something that definitely goes along with all of this. So kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, food is not just food. (laughs) There's so many layers. It's very psychological and it's very influenced by our society and our upbringing. So I never simply just work on food behaviors with my clients. Sometimes they'll be like, wow, this is more like counseling. And I definitely kind of coast on the line of being a dietitian and being a counselor, because if we're not addressing what's going on uh, mentally in regards to this relationship with food, then we're just going to be treating it like another diet. Like we just need to tick all the boxes and then we'll be fine when there's a lot at the core of how this all started to begin with. So how do you handle the pressures of the outside world while trying to keep a healthy relationship with food? Because, you know, whether it's social media or, you know, little comments from friends and family, like I know I still hear people with their unhealthy relationship with food and sometimes their comments can be a little triggering. So how do you handle that? Yeah, it is a process, but at the end of the day, it comes back to trusting yourself more than sort of relying on other people to tell you what's right for you. So 
working with me, we work on a lot of body trust. How do you come to actually trust yourself and trust that you know yourself better than anyone else? So if somebody says, oh no, that's actually not a healthy thing to be doing. It's like, well, if you know that this is actually the most healthful thing you could do for yourself right now, trusting that and staying true to that. And there are many ways to sort of manage external diet culture (laughs) thoughts and, and voices that are coming your way. But at the end of the day, if you don't feel confident in your ability to trust your body, then you're probably going to be influenced by others and by diet culture. So we really have to build up that trust with ourselves um, before we can manage how we want to address those external factors, which while we're building up that trust, we absolutely can and should set some boundaries with people if we find that they're being more harmful or triggering to our journey. But um sometimes boundaries don't even work. And so we have to find a way to cope with it within ourselves. What do you think some of the biggest triggers on social media are, or maybe even red flags from, you know, influencers that we should be mindful of? The word detox, the word cleanse, (laughs) it's not possible. You can't detox or cleanse yourself. Sure. You can drink some water and hydrate yourself, but it's, your liver, if your kidney and your liver are working properly, there's no need for you to have any sort of cleanse or, or detox. And if they're not working properly, then you should see a doctor. It's not a food thing. It's not uh, some shot of superfoods that they're going to give you. Really all that is, is it's going to come out if you're over hydrating yourself, or if you're giving yourself too many nutrients through supplements, you're it's just going to come out of you. And so then that's just expensive pee at that point, right? (laughs) Like all these supplements that people give you. So really recognizing those diet culture words like detox or trigger or detox or trigger detox or cleanse as a trigger for you. Um, but then also any sort of, uh, program that seems pretty one size fits all of, you know, do that a plus B and then you'll look like me. It's like, well, what if you look like you because of your genetics, which is 99% of the fitness people I see selling programs on the internet. It's like you can look like me. I'm like, no, I can't. Cause you have different genetics. So really seeing that, um, those types of, of programs that make it seem like I have the answer to losing weight really is something to, to be skeptical of because, Uh, it's not, nothing's one size fits all. Even my program, I have a framework. We have a a guide that we follow, but in the end, I'm the tour guide and you're the one actually creating your experience and learning and exploring what resonates with you to create your own method. So that's, I'm not even saying my thing is one size fits all either. And so starting to really recognize that I think is a really big um, kind of key to, to staying away from things that kind of act like it's going to fix, like be the one-stop shop to fix everything for you. Yeah, so true. Those are, those are good keywords to, to watch because yeah, well, we're not supposed to detox our body, you know, it's our liver's job. <laughs> Literally not possible. The things that people say sometimes I'm like, that's actually not possible, but they get some pseudoscience and they, put it out there and that's it. Um, you know, I saw a study one time cause everybody was saying apple cider vinegar helps you lose weight. And so I did some research on it and I did this in grad school as one of my projects. And the research shows that the reason why it helps with weight loss is because a shot of apple cider vinegar is so foul that it 
it lowers your appetite because you, you feel nauseous. I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds oh super God. healthy to just actually not eat because you're nauseous because something tasted so bad. So what these claims are, aren't, aren't as healthy or as simple as they like to be portrayed in the media. You know, if they said, oh, apple cider vinegar helps you lose weight because you're going to feel nauseous after you drink it. I think that would be a lot more honest <laughs> than just yeah. saying, you know, oh, there's, it, it helps you lose weight. It's like, well, why? Because it's not like magic, you know? Yeah. Or when people say, or like the pills, like you can find at different like supplement shops, like to curb your cravings, like no, if your body's hungry, it's, it's hungry for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Taking app, uh, supplements to lower your appetite might be doing more harm than good because at the end of the day, the supplement will wear off. And so your hunger might come back with a vengeance if you've been just ignoring it for a long time and that could cause further binges. And so really being skeptical about masking a problem instead of actually addressing, okay, I feel hungry. Maybe that's just a signal I need to eat. Yes, exactly. So how has your life changed since finding food freedom? Oh my gosh. So in so many ways. So one of my biggest reasons why I started to heal my relationship with food was because I love to travel and I actually hadn't even really done much traveling once I started working on my relationship with food, but I always knew I wanted to, to travel the world. But anytime I went on vacation, even just simply to the beach within the United States, I would diet beforehand. Then I felt like I spent the whole week at the vacation, allowing myself to cheat and splurge, therefore leading me to feel miserable because I had been depriving myself leading up to that point. And then coming back, feeling bloated and swollen and going back on another diet. So the times that I would go on vacation or travel, it was never about the experience. It was about how am I going to prepare to look my best and then, you know, allow myself to enjoy the foods once I get there. And so my biggest reason why was I wanted to travel without that. I wanted to travel and just enjoy the experiences and make memories and learn from other cultures. And I don't know, just fill my life with more than food and my body. And so I've been able to do that since I, I've traveled basically the world and I've been able to experience different foods from different cultures and get fed from people in these different countries without me feeling like I need to control all of the ingredients or count my calories, like just being able to live and just be, but also the recovery gave me more of an appreciation for those experiences and for food. I mean, I still will have moments where I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful. I can just accept this meal that my, you know, boyfriend's parents cooked me without feeling anxious or without trying to control my portions. It's just, I'm more so creating connections with them instead of being in my head about the food, the calories or my body. So the biggest way it changed my life was I just get to live in the moment make memories. And at the end of my life, that's what I want to look back on. I want to look back on all the, the moments that were had and the memories that were made and, and feel like there wasn't anything holding me back. I love that. And it's, and it's so true. It's, I, I feel the same way with, with myself, because I don't think people realize how much control an unhealthy relationship with food has over their lives. Mm -hmm. Like even 
like you said, doing stuff with family. Like I remember not wanting to go to family get togethers because I knew it would, you know, there'd be all this food laying on the tables and I didn't trust myself to be able to control myself. And there's so much more to life than just, than just food, but food's a great part of life too. And it's something we should not be afraid to enjoy. Right. Now it's part of the moment instead of it being sort of what's taking away from the moment. It's like food is what's bringing us together. And it's part of that enjoyment and connectedness instead of it being what keeps us away. And it's so sad, you know, to think about holding ourselves back simply because of food or our body, because at the end of the day, like, what do you want to value in your life? And that's one of the first things I talk about with clients as well. So we see the bigger pictures, like, what are your values? What's the most important thing to you in this life? And have you been falsely following food and body size, thinking it was part of your core values and it really wasn't. And really being able to sort of have that realization before, you know, we get to the end of the road and think, wow, I wasted my whole life on something that actually wasn't even important. So being able to just be and, and find that trust with your body is what's really powerful and really impactful. And I know we talked about how long this takes being at least a year, if not, you know, a few years for some people and think of, I mean, that may sound scary and like a really long time. And you may wonder if it's worth it, but a few years versus the rest of your life is how I really started to see it. So I was like, I'm going to go towards this and allow myself the time to heal because I want the rest of my life to be beautiful with food freedom. And that's what happened. But if you don't give yourself the chance to try, then you may find yourself in 50 years being like, why did I waste all of those years on calories, you know? Yes. So true. There's so much more to life. I, I completely agree. Everything you say is, oh, I need everyone to listen to it and actually <laughs> absorb it because there's so much more to life than just obsessing over food. Yes. So um, what would you say, should people's first um, approach and first step to healing their relationship with food be for people who may be listening right now thinking, you know, I, I want to heal that relationship. What, what should be the first thing they should do? I think find a resource, find people on social media, find a dietitian or a therapist or somebody who specializes in disordered relationships with food and disordered eating health at every size, because it's hard to do it alone. I did it alone and it took me a long time and there were so many uncertainties. And that's why I ended up making it my mission to create a program where nobody had to do it alone. Cause it's so confusing and scary and isolating. But if you can find a community, even if it's just a free Facebook group or people on social media to support where you're headed with this new journey, I think that's a really great first step. Um, just to see that you're not alone. Awesome. So where can our listeners find you on social yeah. media? So I am on Instagram at binge.nutritionist. I also have a podcast and a Instagram for that podcast. It's called Behind the Binge. And through both of those social medias, you can find all my other links. But if you don't have Instagram, then you can find me on my website, which is Makai Nutrition. That's M-A-K-A-I nutrition.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love everything you have to say. And 
I hope, you know, our mission really resonates with people. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm glad you allowed me to share my story and some tips. Wow, you guys, what a powerful episode. Absolutely loved having Marissa on my podcast. If you guys enjoy listening to my podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe and, you know, even tell your friends about it. I think that'll be pretty cool too. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode. (laughs) Woo! <laughs>